Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, February 22nd edition of the Monday Check-In. I'm Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Glad to be back with you, Damon, and glad to be back with our loyal listeners. We did uh, end up inadvertently taking a week off last week, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, this is the non-Monday holiday edition of of the Monday check-in. Last week, Monday was President's Day, and we had planned to do a thing, uh, but then the day just kind of got away from, from us with meetings and other things, and so... And then the rest of the week didn't really get any better. <laughs> yeah, well, and Tuesday, I'll, I'll remind folks that we actually were requested by Hastings Utilities to minimize our uh, power consumption due to the extreme cold and whatnot. And so Tuesday, we closed the church office and set all the thermostats at the church at 60. And uh, so Damon and I were trying to minimize our power consumption. So uh, I could say that's the reason we didn't record the Monday check-in then might be a little bit of a fudge there, but, um, you know, and then, uh, and then Wednesday, uh, by Wednesday, we had missed two days. And so we were just scrambling to stay up and it was Ash Wednesday, which meant that, uh, Damon and I were both in the sanctuary helping with, uh, the, our sort of remote Ash Wednesday service. Uh, and by Thursday, it's like, well, do you really record a Monday check-in on Thursday? And, uh, and you're usually writing it. Yeah. We're back. We're back. <laughs> did you miss us? <laughs> I'm sure they did. I, I know they did. I mean, I didn't hear any cries of lamentation, but I'm sure that they existed. I heard from one person. It happens to yep. be a relative of mine, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still. Yeah. It's go- it all goes on the scoreboard. Indeed. So, um, so Damon usually does this intro, but I'm going to give it a shot here. Okay, good. For those, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Monday check-in is our uh, weekly Bible study chat. We open with a word of prayer, discuss the scripture that will be preached on the following Sunday, and then we close with uh, some announcements about what's happening in the life of the church, and finally uh, with a prayer. So that's what this looks like, and that's what this shall be today, as it has been for um i'm pretty sure we're up to 40 of these damon well that's that's a rather complete number that's a generation it's the critical mass yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what uh i'm gonna do this <laughs> you're gonna check so i'm damon's... seeing i'm seeing what uh what element that is zirconium this is our zirconium edition apparently the zirconium edition of the monday check-in yeah that's number that's the number 40 on the periodic table of elements well let me uh open us with a word of prayer which will not incorporate zirconium into it which i can sometimes do cleverly but not with zirconium so i'm being helpful right now (laughs) yes indeed let's uh let's pray Gracious God, we thank you uh, today for for warmth. Uh, We thank you for the warmth that has returned to so many parts of this country that were affected by the the deeply cold temperatures. We thank you for the warm houses that uh, those of us who were able to be in were in and the warmth of your love for all of us. We also ask that that you remind us 
about those who didn't have warmth over the last week, those who suffered in the cold, and you inspire us to work to, uh, to bring warmth, both the warmth of your love as, as well as physical warmth to those who may have been suffering over the last week. This morning as we sit down to read your word, Lord, help us realize the call that it places on our lives to be your agents in this world, to be your hands and your feet um, that take up our cross and follow Jesus and are the hands and feet of Christ in the world. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I will turn off my chime for my email. Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so while you're doing that, we are in the season of Lent now. Uh, this past Sunday was the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, and so we have, I think there, there must be six Sundays in Lent before we get to Easter. Um, and so... And so we're taking a look at the, some of the lectionary texts for Lent. We get to spend some time in the Gospel of Mark. We spent some time there on Sunday. And we're going to continue that on this coming Sunday uh, with this bit of scripture from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Uh, it reads uh, something along these lines. Then Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And that's where it ends. Greg, what do you got? Wow. So for those of you who think this sounds somewhat familiar, haven't I just heard this? Uh, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, in fact, uh, just uh, two Sundays ago, I preached on the transfiguration story where Jesus and uh, his disciples go up on the mountaintop and God's voice, and he hangs out with Elijah and Moses and God's voice says, this is my son, listen to him. And so then I took a journey and said, what was the last thing Jesus said that God is telling them to listen to? And it turns out these were Jesus last words right before that transfiguration event. And so uh, I did preach on them specifically on, uh, on the line um, that, for anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So uh, it should sound familiar. We just talked about it, but let's talk about it <laughs> some more. <laughs> and yes, I want to, I want to zoom in a little bit more on, on the lines right after the ones that uh, that we reflected on a couple weeks ago. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit? their life. And I think a, 
very straight reading of this uh, suggests martyrdom, right? And Jesus, uh, right before this in uh, Mark chapter 8, 20-ish, talked about the fact that he himself will uh, be persecuted and crucified. And Peter says, no, 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 God, you're not going to do that. And uh, Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. So um, this would be fresh in their minds. That conversation with uh, Peter and the disciples was a private conversation with just the disciples. And then uh, they show up to this crowd and Jesus has this larger conversation here about, uh, about this. And uh, I, I don't think that the martyrdom interpretation is necessarily completely wrong. And we actually know that most of his disciples will end up martyrs. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I think that there's a deeper call here. And particularly if we, if we focus on these lines for what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their lives. And so Jesus isn't necessarily talking about literally giving up your lives, literally dying for the sake of the gospel, but giving up our self-centeredness, giving up um, our ruthless uh, pursuit of profits, uh, our, our worldliness for the sake of the gospel. And that uh, is probably as hard as dying, right? Uh, harder really, because we're committing to a lifetime of giving up ourselves for the sake of the gospel. Um, it reminded me, uh, Esther and I are both crazy big fans of the musical Hamilton. And uh, he, he Hamilton was not throwing away his shot. He was not. And Since he's he always, <laughs> he's always saying, um, not always, but that multiple times, he talks about the, the way that you break into infamy is to be able to uh, become a general in a war and, and die for the sake of a cause. And George Washington stops him and says, dying is easy. Living is much harder. Uh, did I get that line right, Damon? I don't know. And Hannah's not here to... <laughs> if Hannah comes back from the grocery store before we get done, I'll check with her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so that's something uh, to that effect, yes. Yeah, and, and I think that there's truth to that statement that... Um, dying for a cause, martyring yourself, it's sad and it's difficult and you're giving up your life for the sake of a cause, but uh, living into that cause and committing your whole life to that cause is, is actually, that, that's a huge ask, but mm -hmm. that's exactly what Jesus is getting at with this take up your cross and follow me for whoever um, gives up their, you know, mm -hmm. what is it, for whoever uh, wants to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. So, yeah, I don't know, what do you think? That's, um, that's reminding me of, of uh, two things. Um, it's reminding me of a similar sentiment to the work of Christmas. Uh, this is, seems strange. There's a, a poem called The Work of Christmas by Howard Thurman, I believe. Yes, yes. Um, that talks about, and I love it. And I, and since I oftentimes do the, the service after Christmas, um, I always work it into that service, but it talks about it. It sort of imagines what's next after, after the manger scene, right? The, and the, when the angels have returned, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the shepherds have gone back to their sheep. Um, and it says, that's when the work of Christmas begins. Um, so that, and it's the same sort of sense of we have this celebratory moment 
uh, where we hear these good tidings and we cheer these good tidings. Uh, we say, yes, good news to the oppressed, um, recovery of sight to the blind, um, these sorts of things. And now, and now we have to work on those things. And, so, and the living out of it um, is, is, the, is sometimes the challenge, is, is the really hard and difficult part. Um, and also this idea of saving um, reminded me of, of this, we want to preserve things in some, I thought of saving as, as preserving something, right? Um, and it reminded me of, of Georgie Evans' um, reflection from a couple of weeks ago. This, and, and she sort of talked about the things that we sort of think of as sort of the, the heyday of the church. Uh, and you talked about having, you know, people just lined up to do baptism um, on an Easter Sunday morning. And, and sometimes like when we experience these sorts of things, like we want to sort of lock it in and, and preserve the, and this is how it is. And this is how it always should be. And isn't this great. And we want to preserve that right in that moment. Um, and there's something about this that's, that is continuing that insistence of like, you, you can't save things just the way that they are um, right now. And, and you have to be willing to live into something, something else. Uh, there's a, a different, there's a change here, obviously, because I think the thing that we oftentimes want to save is I want to preserve my pride. I want to preserve my, my self-righteousness. I want to preserve my right to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, and this is saying like, no, those, those things need to be put to death. Um, we, we have to, is it, must be Paul who talks about all the various things that we have to die to um, so that we can be born to new life. Um, we, have to, we have to die to our own selfishness so that we can be born to generosity and altruism and those sorts of things. That's sort of what kind of what this is reminding me and making me think of. Yeah. Uh, reflecting on the the work of Christmas and, and that sort of thing, it makes me think of the baptism that we did on Sunday too, right? So you have this beautiful moment that this child is baptized and, and, and it really was a meaningful baptism that when the parents passed the child off to me, he was asleep and he woke up and I put cold water on his head and he got a little fussy. And then it seemed like he, he was really intently listening to what I was saying. And, and he had his three siblings up there on the rail who were very intently listening to what I was saying and, and the parents there. And that, that moment of the baptism is a beautiful thing, but it's, it's actually a commitment, a lifelong commitment we're, we're making to this child. So that one particular moment is beautiful, but it's, it's the hard work that we're going to put in for the rest of that child's life that the congregation commits to, that the parents commit to, that the children who are present commit to, um, and that we as the pastors commit to. And so, um, yeah, it's just, just like the, 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 work of Christmas beginning as well it's I loved that particular moment but we have to reflect strongly on what those words are that we have committed now to help raise this child in the faith and that's that's hard work We're, we have to give up some of ourselves and our comfort and our freedom on Sunday mornings because we got to bring this child to church and 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 our freedom on Wednesdays because we got to come volunteer at Wednesday Night Live and all this stuff and we're 
we as a church body and the parents have all committed that this is what we're going to do now for the rest of this child's life. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's a really good, I like that, uh, that parallel there. Damon. Yeah. There's, there's a part of this, that's all this sort of deny yourself, right. Um, is a, th- a thing that I talk about fairly often is this, that life is not about you life is about what you do with the lives of others. Um, and that comes, that comes from this, <laughs> it comes from this passage, this deny yourself um, that you may be less so that God may be more, you may be less so that others may be more. Um, that's the, there's a, there's a strong sense of humility, I think in this, that comes through in this, in this passage as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh... I was doing some research for this and reading another commentary uh, on a great website called working preacher and the commentary opened with a quotation from Mark Twain. Uh, Mark Twain worried. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Right. (laughs) And Jesus isn't mincing his words here, right? This is not something where we have to go back to the original Greek and what was the meaning like this is pretty straightforward right? If you're to follow Christ, you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow Christ. Um, And that should worry all of us. Like that's the commitment we're making as disciples of Jesus Christ. And um, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's, it's a lifetime commitment we're making. And uh, are we going to be serious about it? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's, here's another connection to baptism. (laughs) When we, when I was studying baptism in seminary, uh, our my worship professor said uh, something to the effect of, "Yeah, like, but yeah, babies cry <laughs> during baptism." He said, "If we all had an actual understanding of what we were signing up for when we were baptized, we'd all cry." Yes, <laughs> you know, like yeah. this this sense of like you are committed. This is the path that you are committed to. You are committed to the path that leads to the cross that is the path that you are committed to. Um, and hopefully along the way, it leads to the liberation of others and leads to mercy and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness as well. Um, but, but it's not your path. It's, it's God's path. It's, it's the path of Jesus. Um, and that, and we sometimes take that lightly. Uh, and sometimes we live it out really, really well actually, um, as people of faith. Um, but yeah, there's this, this sort of sense of, uh, where somewhere else Jesus says, uh, you know, no one tries to build a bridge without counting the cost first. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, with that baptism thing, we, uh, I've incorporated into our baptismal tradition, um, this little prayer for the child based upon, uh, the baptismal prayer from the French reform church, um, and it's exactly that. Uh, we, we tell the child, for you, Jesus Christ suffered death, crying out at the end. For you, Christ triumphed over death, and all of this was done for you. You do not know any of this yet, but we will continue to tell you this good news until it becomes your own. And, uh, and so we, we work into that and continue to tell, share that good news with the child until it becomes their own. And um, yeah, but I, I, I love that, uh, 
that quote from your seminary professor, we'd all be crying if we knew what it was that we were committed to at the moment of baptism. Dan Cather Weaver. Let's see who offered that bit of wisdom. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you think this will preach? I think I think it'll preach. I think it'll preach. Yeah, there's a lot in here that we didn't even talk about. Uh, there is, there is. There's, I mean, it's it's full, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, that Mark Twain quote really resonated with me. That may make its way into my sermon, and then um, I think for Esther's sake, I may also reference Hamilton. So, <laughs> Hamilton. So, well. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts about that. <laughs> I know you do. And they're, uh, they're strong opinions. Strongly I don't know if they're strong or not, but. Hmm. All right. I'm Let's, glad it uh, exists. I'm, I'm glad that I've seen it. I feel that it has enriched my life in ways. Uh, and I have questions. That's all. Fair enough. <laughs> What, uh, what we don't have questions about is the fact that we are zooming into the season of Lent as a church. And so let's talk about what that means for, uh, for our family of faith. And to begin with, um, we have this amazing document, our Lenten devotional guide. Uh, this was uh, co-written by uh, Pastor Damon and Kylie Winberg, our parish associate. And we mailed a, a copy home to every household. We also have an electronic copy posted to our website we can also email you an electronic copy if you would like. And uh, yeah, it's got a, a, a brief reflection and an encouraged action for every day in the season of Lent, followed by a prayer. And we're encouraging our whole church to walk through this season of Lent together. The theme of the guide is that they may all be one, focused on the theme of Christian unity, uh, particularly in a time in our nation's history where we seem to be awfully divided and polarized and schismatic. I like that word, schismatic. Um, and so in addition to actually reading the guide, we're encouraging folks to uh, follow up with some conversation groups we're holding where we will talk about what we're learning in the guide and reflect together. Uh, we're holding those on Friday mornings at 7 a.m on Sunday afternoons at noon and on Tuesday afternoons at noon. And uh, anyone is invited to join these discussion groups. We will uh, offer them both via Zoom as well as in person in the church building. So you can come down to the church or you can uh, reach out to the church office. We'll give you the Zoom link and you can Zoom in to uh, these conversation groups. And we've already held one on Friday and we've already held one on Sunday at noon. Damon hosted the one on Sunday at noon. How did that go? It went really well. Yeah, we had a, a group of five of us. Um, yeah, had a nice conversation. And Damon and I are guessing uh, that uh, the Sunday at noon one might be a bit larger next week because, uh, well, we are going to restart in-person worship. Should we talk about that for a bit? Well, I mean, you've already segued to it, so. I thought that was a pretty smooth segue, didn't you? <laughs> we, just as, we just as well, eh? <laughs> okay, so session, your leadership council, the church voted to uh, restart in-person worship next, or this Sunday, February 28th. And uh, we are going to ask folks who are going to attend to let us know, uh, sort of a reservation system, if you will. Uh, we'll be sending out a link for you to reserve uh, a spot there, or you can also call the church office 
and uh, let us know that you're going to be there. And that's so that we can provide for social distancing. We want to ensure that uh, we are following the health department guidelines, which include continued social distancing. Uh, worship will also look a lot different. Uh, we'll ask that everyone wear masks. There will not be any congregational hymn singing. We will have people come in and uh, be seated by ushers. So you wait, may not get to sit in your normal family seat uh, or pew. Uh, and uh, once you're seated, we'll ask that you remain seated and then we will dismiss from the back forwards, similar to how they dismiss at funerals or weddings. And uh, again, this is to try to avoid any sort of cross-contamination and that sort of thing. Um, what else? Uh, we will we'll still be on the radio. We will still live stream via Facebook. Um, so those are still in completely legitimate options for attending worship on Sunday mornings. Um, and there, there will be hymns during the service. We just, the folks in the sanctuary won't be singing along. With the so if you love singing along with the hymns, then you can do that from home. Uh, but if you come into worship, we will uh, not be doing hymn singing in worship. You'll hear the hymn played over the speakers, but we're going to discourage the folks in. And that, that that's because there's a lot of science behind um, the spread of disease and aerosols. And they've discovered that uh, singing is one of the best ways to disease. So we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but we also recognize that music's a big part of the church. So you'll be able to hear the organ and you'll hear someone singing the hymn uh, from an undisclosed location. <laughs> That's, yeah, from a, a bunker someplace. Indeed. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess just, you know, if folks have questions, they can contact the church. They can uh, reach out to one of us about how that how that'll work. So... Um, so, so also speaking of Sunday morning things, the heirs of parent class, which is a, a study group, a conversation group uh, of adults is meeting. They meet on uh, Sunday mornings, 915 via Zoom. They are meeting exclusively via Zoom. Uh, right now they are engaged in a study based on Nehemiah, Nehemiah, if you prefer, uh, that Greg, you are currently leading. Is that correct? I am. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a book. Let's see. Does that show up? Yep. It is. Yep. The book is called Visioneering by a pastor out of Atlanta named Andy Stanley. That is a study of the book of uh, Nehemiah. And so uh, we invite you to join us for that if you'd like. Uh, Sunday mornings, 915 via Zoom. Just let us know. We will send you the link for that. Um, we also have another phenomenal Sunday morning adult education opportunity, the Adult Ed Forum. Damon, you want to tell us about what's going on with that? Yeah, so Forum has returned, took a little bit of a, a little bit of a hiatus, um, but it is back. It is being led by uh, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, who's our scholar in residence, and uh, he's leading a six-part Lenten series using the uh, what I discovered should be pronounced Eisenheim altarpiece uh, uh, located in France. <laughs> um, the Eisenheim altarpiece uh, uh, depicts, uh, has a depiction of the crucifixion on it. And within that depiction uh, are various biblical characters, uh, Mary, mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, uh, the beloved disciple, John the Baptist, uh, a couple of other patron saints. And so Dan is leading a six-part series 
um, focused on these characters. So there'll be a session on Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, and what do we know about Mary from scripture? Uh, what have we, what has sort of the tradition come to hold about Mary uh, and all those sorts of things. So he's leading that all through Palm Sunday. Uh, folks can join live. They're on Zoom, 915 Sunday mornings. Contact the church to get the link. Uh, those sessions are also recorded and being posted to YouTube. So later this afternoon, I will post the session from this past Sunday um, to YouTube. So folks uh, can join in on that, that excitement as well. I have two questions, Damon. Okay. One. As somebody who studied German, how did you not know it wasn't Eisenheim? I don't know. <laughs> and two, if it's a scene depicting the crucifixion, how did John the Baptist get there? Wasn't he mm. martyred like three years before the crucifixion? That's a very good question, Greg. Yes, <laughs> John the Baptist does not show up at the crucifixion in any of the gospel narratives. So why is he there? Uh, what might that represent? These are all questions. I bet, I bet Dan Daffenbaugh will answer that question for us. He might explore some of these <laughs> questions. Also, um, so the so it's housed at a convent um, in France, and this this convent um, was its purpose was to care for folks um, in the Middle Ages who had what we've come to know as St. Saint, Saint Anthony's fire, uh, which was a disease caused by a fungus that grew on, on wheat or rye plants and had no, they didn't have a cure for it. Um, but it had it caused very distinct symptoms in folks. And the, uh, Jesus as represented in the crucifixion bears some of those symptoms like in in the depiction of it so it's a really interesting sort of um coming together of the the suffering of people at the time being then sort of represented and and taken on to the suffering that that jesus went experienced as well um so uh ergots is the actual name of the of the disease um but so there i learned I learned many interesting things. Very cool. And those will be on our YouTube channel for uh, folks to watch, even if they can't join us on Sunday mornings at 9.15. So anything else we need to cover? No, I don't, I don't think so. All right. Do you want to close us with prayer? I would like to, yes. Loving and gracious God, as we continue to move in and through this season of Lent, this season of penitence and repentance this season of self-reflection. I pray that your spirit of gentleness, your spirit of mercy, your spirit of courage and compassion might be with us as we spend time deliberately considering the ways um, that our life is, is perhaps out of balance or out of shape, the ways that it is not living up to the standard that you have set to love our neighbors as ourselves. As we continue in this season of fasting, as we continue to explore ways that, that we might deny ourselves so that we might move more fully in your paths and in your directions, 
May your grace be with us. May your truth guide us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.